today is a day of, uh, of celebration. Today is a day of honor. Today is a day of expansion. As Mark mentioned, we just hit the 23-year mark, and he and Katie have been in this church for over 22 and a half years. He's been on staff uh, for 20, over 22 and a half years, I guess, right at it, a little over 22 years. And I'm going to say some pretty awesome things about him. I'm getting some echo. I hear it too much out there. Not enough in here. You turn me down a little bit. Y'all had me great last week. Man, the sound did sound good today, didn't it? But as we move into the day, you know, we look at where we are, where we've come from, and what Bethel is all about, a place where you belong, a place where you become, a place where you believe, and a place where you build to make a difference together. We have to begin to think about how God views us and how we view God. But I want to begin by talking, first of all, about honor and the importance of honor. So what is honor? Honor is when we build value, worth, or weight in a matter, or we value uh, or or, or bring worth to someone or something else. And what I want you to realize is there's three key things about honor, and I'm just going to briefly talk about it. Number one... We are created by God through honor. We were created for honor, and we were created to honor, right? We were created by God through honor. We were created for honor, and we were created to honor. Now, one of the things I want you to understand about honor is this. You can honor someone without loving them, but you cannot love someone without honoring them. And the greatest gift we can give to someone is our love. And then the next greatest gift, is, it's really 1A and 1B because there's not a 2. The greatest gift we can give is what? To love someone and to honor them. Because if you truly love someone, you're going to what? You're going to honor them. You're going to make them weighty in your life. You're going you're to make them worthy. You're going to let them feel it, know it, and that you do it. You see, we go all the way back to Genesis Genesis 2, 7, when God made man out of the clay, out of the dusty earth, it says he pulled man up and he breathed from his nostrils his breath into man. And man became a living soul. In the Jewish uh, Talmud Bible, it says that he became a speaking, talking soul. Now, that word there also says that we, it's a zoe, God, what he breathed, he breathed his breath into us. He breathed his zoe, God, what? His life, his image, his likeness in demand. He created us in his image, in his likeness. Zoe, the God kind of life. And when he did that, what did he do? He gave us the greatest honor we can ever have. He created us as him. He is God the Father. Jesus is Lord and the Holy Spirit is with us, the Comforter. But we have also been created in that image and likeness. Now that all fell away whenever the world you know, whenever Adam and Eve committed to sin and all that, and we had to kind of start over. But then Romans 5 said the second Adam came, right? Jesus, he came. And through him we have redemption. Through him, he is our grace. Grace came, right? And he is our salvation. 
So the New Testament, what we do through Christ and what he paid for and the price he paid is really, it really exemplifies the love of God. I can't think of a greater honor. One great honor is awesome is creating us in his image, right? That's the first thing. And by being created in his image, we are what? Created to, first of all, worship him. Because that's what the Bible says, isn't it? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Then love your neighbor as yourself. But you can't love your neighbor or anyone else properly until you first receive and begin to love God the way he established us to love him. You see, in our society today, we're really big on promises, but not on process. We preach promises. We preach faith. We preach health. We preach provision. And that's good. But we fail to talk about the process. I mean, here Jesus is. He's saying, hey, come on over here. Take my cross. It's not heavy. Carry your cross. And oh, by the way, you're going to die. But when you do that, you're going to what? Receive eternal life and be with me forevermore. In other words, what he is saying is, the Bible talks about he is the righteous seed, right? And the Bible talks about seed. And what happens? When a seed is placed in the ground, it has a design in it, where it's an apple seed or whatever it is. It has a design in it. And when you put the earth over it at the right time and the right season and the right moisture and water and the right sunlight, what happens? The ground begins to shift and move and it crushes the seed until it's dead. And when it crushes the seed and it's dead, the design that was in it came forth. You see, Jesus honored his heavenly father. He said, I won't do anything unless he tells me to. I won't even say anything unless he tells me to say. Why? Because we are not only created through honor, but and we are created with honor. And he knew that his heavenly father gave him his honor, gave him his influence, gave him his position. But then I want you to understand is we also are, are created to give honor, right? To give honor. Now, Jesus was created, what, by God, however that all works. That's between them as before time began. And then what did he do? He came into this earth through the Holy Spirit, his heavenly fathers to see. So he was created to be honored, to, to be honored. And to be lifted up. But he knew that's the promise. But he still had to walk through the process. What was the process? Walking this earth for 33 and a half years. The last three and a half years discovering his destiny and beginning to mature in God. And become who he needed to become. He already was, of course. He's Jesus. But he began to release his assignment in the earth. But his assignment wasn't always that popular. It was popular for a while, but then they tried to throw him off a cliff, and they tried to stone him. They tried to do different things to take him out, but he knew that wouldn't happen until it was time. And when it was time, during this process of up and downs with Jesus, risking everything, where'd he go? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? What's there? That's called the place of crushing. That's where they take the olives and the grapes. That's where they take the grapes and crush them and make wine. That's where they take the olives and crush them and make the anointing oil. What's the anointing oil represent? The oil represents the anointing, right? The presence of God. But the wine represents what? The Spirit of God. 
And it's fitting that Jesus went back to the Garden of Gethsemane to honor his heavenly father, but not only to honor his heavenly father, but to honor you and I because he knew he must be crushed. That's the process. He knew that he had to be ground up. What happens? Through his crushing, the design of his anointing and presence was made available to us. Through his crushing and whatever they would walk on the grapes to begin to get it ready to be fermented and to make wine, the grapes would stain their feet. And the Bible even said that, that his head would be wounded by their feet. Now what's interesting about wine, same as the Spirit of God, is that wine expands. That's why the Bible says, and you can learn it if you go to Israel or whatever or study it, uh, that you can't put new wine in an old wine skin. Because at one time it had wine, it expanded, and then it regressed back to a state of dry and hard. And if you put new wine, it's going to burst through the seams of that thing. It could never hold it. Why? Because when wine has been properly harvested, crushed, and prepped, what happens to it? When it's went through its process, you could put grapes in there, it wouldn't do anything to it. But if you put the crushed grapes and when the thing's fermented, what happens? It expands. Everything in the kingdom expands by two things. The Spirit of God and His anointing. Right? Christ. Who is Christ? Christos, the anointed one. Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one and His anointing. Not only is He the anointed one, not only is He the anointed one, but He anoints. Not only... Is he grace? Because grace came, he, re he releases grace. So in other words, he could take on the crushing. He could take on the pain. He could take it all on. Why the Bible says in Hebrews, says what? For the what? The joy that was set before him. What is that joy? It's not a what, it's a who. You and I are that joy. He suffered. He was crushed. What did he do? He honored his father through crushing, so that you and I could be anointed and have his spirit. Here's what's crazy. I can't think of a higher honoring. Not only did God create you with his own honor, right? But to redeem us and to bring us home, to give us the opportunity to come home, what did he do? He gave his son to be crushed so we could expand. He gave his son to be crushed, destroyed unto death. What? So we could have his spirit. So what? We could have his anointing. So we could walk in his presence and power. But let me tell you something. You'll never walk in the fullness of God's presence and power until you love him. You'll never walk in the fullness of his presence and power until you honor him. Now, if honor is that important to God, what does it mean for the church? What does it mean for the believers? See, the church is not a building or organization. The church is the believers. You and I carry the church. We carry the spirit and presence of God in us. As we begin to realize that God formed us and created us in his own image and likeness, we begin to understand that God is what? Worthy of honor. God is worthy of of my honor because he made us with his honor 
we got to realize not only is God worthy of our honor, and he is the first one we should honor, but God what? By honoring God with our life and our influence, what do we do? Do what he told us to do, what he created us to do. What is that? God created me, what? To receive that honor because he created me with honor. How sad it is when someone never receives Christ. They die and they go to hell. That's where they go. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you don't have the spirit of God and his anointing on your life, you will go to hell. How long? Forever and ever and ever. And our mind can't even comprehend it. You say, well, how bad is that? Why would God? That's not honor. No, hell wasn't created for you and me. It was created for, you know, the Bible says fallen angels, but when you really look at it in Luke, they were kicked out of heaven. Satan, what, Lucifer, and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven by Micah, and they hit the earth like lightning. It said, they didn't fall. They were kicked out. Why? Because they didn't honor. Hell was created for them because of dishonor. What's dishonor mean? It means you don't count someone worthy. You don't count them good. You don't count them important or weighty in your life and in the life of others. But here's what's cool. Not only that God is worthy of honor, not only did God create us to receive honor, God created us to give honor. Where what the Bible says? Give honor where honor is due. I think about Mark, and he and I will make an announcement here in a few moments, and it will really be a couple announcements. It's going to be really cool, but as we're honoring today, my desire, Steph's desire, is to honor Mark and Katie and their kids. Why is that? We honor them because they're worthy to be honored. We honor them because they have received. But here's the key that most people never get to. We honor them because they give honor. And I could truly say, what is it, babe, for hitting that? Okay. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> so as we begin to understand that, guys, what I want you to realize is that they give honor, what? We're to reciprocate and give honor back. Why? We give honor where what? Honor is due, where it's paid, where it's been bought, where it's been purchased. We have been bought, we have been purchased and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are worthy to be honored, but what good is it if we don't give honor? You know, we will be, and I'll be talking about here in a minute, we'll make the announcement today, but toward the end of service, we're going to be praying and setting Mark in as an elder. Actually, the second elder, because I'm the first elder. I'm the beginning of the presbytery. Stephanie and I, we are the chief elders. And after that, we are to establish elders that are worthy. We could talk about it. A man of one wife, a man of character, a man of integrity, family, handles his family well, all that. We can talk about the scriptures and all that, and that's good. But here's what I want you to realize and understand. You can't set someone in a position of honor unless they receive honor to understand who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them. But just as importantly, it's a three-stranded court. They must give honor where honor is due. And that's something I've seen Mark and Katie do for 22 and a half years. 
I had a wise man. Our church was five years old. And I was really like, man, you know, really, we should have elders. I know we're, I always said, when we get five years old, you know, we'll establish elders. Now, I remember, too, when we were about a year old, we were running almost 300 people, about a year and a half old, a year old, and, and I was going to have membership, and I'd already announced it, and we were going to do our first membership and all that in our new building that we had bought. And I remember the Holy Spirit said, it's not time yet. A preacher, a friend of mine came in. It's the only time I think he ever ministered there from Illinois. And he even said, I don't know if it's time yet. Man, people got mad. People got upset. I think we took in, what, 90 or 100 members? I don't remember, something like that, when we did do it. But I said, man, after service, I said, you know, brother, so so God really put in my heart to wait two years. But I just thought, man, we're growing. We need structure. We need this. He said, well, you do what God said. So I said, we're not going to do it. And when I made that announcement, what happened? A bunch of those people quit the church. And God said, aren't you glad you didn't go on and bring them into membership? Well, we were about five years old. I always felt when we were five years old, we'll bring on elders. Now, we have people operating as elders in this church, but they don't have the title. They've not been officially set. Mark's been operating that way, he and Katie, for 10-plus years. But Steph and I took this elderly couple out. They were done a lot in life, especially the husband and and he was one of my all-time favorites here at Bethel. He's since gone with the Lord many years ago. And he was going to be my main elder. And I had my little list of the names that's going to be my elders. And I had that list. And I took it to him. And I'm kind of nervous. A young guy, he'd already been a pilot and a what, captain in the Air Force and a pastor for, Methodist pastor for 20-plus years and retired. And, man, he outserved all of us at this place. It was amazing. And never wanted anything. He just gave, he gave, he gave. And I said, Brother so-and-so, I said, uh, I said, uh, I feel that, you know, when we're five years old that we should have elders. And he said, why? I said, well, I, I just, you know, it's, I guess it's what you're supposed to do in church, right? Have elders. He said, why? I said, well, I want you to be the main elder. He said, why? He said, you're the chief elder, and we're a baby. We're five years old. We're just beyond, we're toddlers. Who do you know well enough to put in charge and to have honor and to help you govern and move, move things forward? Who is that? I said, well, I, I got a list. <laughs> They've been with me at least five years. Okay. He looked at the list and said, I, I don't want to accept this because I don't feel... It honors you for that because I haven't had enough time to show this house in you that I'm willing to give honor. I said, you give honor more than anyone I've ever known. He said, you don't understand. Will these men honor you in five years or ten years or twenty years? I said, I hope so. I mean, they're great. They're tithers. They serve. They're brilliant men. He said, I recommend you don't do it, but I'll honor whatever decision you make. We went home. I said, can't do it. I'll, I'll put it on the shelf. And it never got off the shelf. You know there's only one man in this church that was on that list that's still here? Mark King. Mark King. Actually, there, yeah, that, that fit the prototype. Because being an elder is more than governing and helping you govern, help assist the chief elder. It's ministering to the people, ministering to the word, other things. Now here's what I want to say. I'm going to bring Mark up here in a moment, but here's what I want to say. 
When you talk about process to get the promise, we look at the promise as the reward, but the promise is not the reward. The process is the reward. But, but, but you don't understand, crushing is uncomfortable. Crushing is painful. Living under stained feet is not comfortable. Expanding is not comfortable. But without the process, God cannot bring us into the expansion he designed us to be. Without the process, we don't have the maturity. Without the process, we don't build character. Character is whenever it's the character, the structure of a matter or something. And when the character of a car is torn up, when it's wrecked, or the character of a piece of metal is bent, the characters change. But God is always moving and changing. Sometimes what? Sometimes he's, the pot, he's always the potter, but he can have the clay in his hand. Or he can take the clay and he can put water on it and begin to spin it on a wheel. Or he can take the clay off as part of that process and hold it over here and shape it and begin to kill it and get it heated up so it stays firm in the character of the design he made it. But what I want you to realize, that's a process. It doesn't feel good sometimes when God picks you out and you have to stand up. It doesn't feel sometimes good sometimes when he's like got you on the wheel and he's squeezing you and shaping you and changing you and pouring water, the Spirit of God, and you think, oh, I must be ready to be killed, you know, the, to be heated up. I must be, oh, no, no, he keeps working you and working you and working you and working you. Sometimes he sets you off for a little while, brings you back on the wheel. But eventually he gets you over here to where he wants you to be. That doesn't mean it's the end. Sooner or later you'll be on the wheel again just for the next level of expansion. See, it's never over. But what I want you to realize, no matter how painful your process is, how troubling your process is, how, how long your process is, how difficult your process is, it takes the process to develop you to handle the expansion that he's doing in you. Because everything you need is in you. Because God put it there. The crushing is what brings the design out of you. When the pressure's on, you'll do things you've never done. When the pressure's on, you'll fight like you've never fought. When the pressure's on, right, you'll, 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 you'll keep going to the end. Why? That's what character is. That's what honor is to God. It's not, you know, just going around going kumbaya. Honoring him is saying, I'll never quit. I'll never give up. They can knock me down, but I'm always getting back up. Well, I'm going to honor you because you created me in your image and likeness. You created me to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And I might look like I'm down to everybody else, but all God is doing is prepping me for expansion. You know, Malachi says that, Last verse or two there, what says, uh, there'll be a day, you know, when that God turns the hearts of the fathers toward the son and the son's hearts toward the fathers. And you'll know that's the time. He didn't speak for, what, 400 years. And what was he talking about, fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, mothers and daughters? What was he talking about? You see, Mark started out as a good member. And then he became a good staff person. And for many years, he was a good staff person. Now, during that time, he became a spiritual son. Now, ultimately, he's his father's spiritual son, we know. But you can have more than one spiritual father. 
as he became my spiritual son, that process wasn't fun. I remember at one meeting, and, and he was so sincere. And I think you might have had L of N. It wasn't long. And, 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 and he's in a meeting, and I'm like, look, we got to have this event. It's going to be Friday night. Oh, my goodness, Pastor. I, you know, we're on the conference table with like 10 staff. I, I don't know if I agree. I don't know. What, Mark? What's going on? I, I, I got to have family time. That's our Friday night. I said, you haven't put in 40 hours yet this week. You'll be here. You know what? That was painful. That was uncomfortable. There's been times that he's had to let me vent to him, like taking a rap somebody else because I'm venting to him, and you'd think I was venting to him. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just venting about some situation because he's a son. Now, the interesting thing about being a parent, no one trains you to be a parent, right? When you get these things, you got them. It's the same way spiritually. I'm a lot better spiritual father now than I was then. And Mark says, amen to that. Thank God for that. But I had to expand too. But Mark stuck with it. Katie stuck with it. And when he didn't want to, she made him. Literally. A couple times. She made him for about five minutes, then he agreed. And I look at all the expansion that's taken place in their lives. I look at how they honor, and they honor, and they honor, and they honor. A spiritual son eventually becomes a confidant, and you can confide in him. But here's the next expansion. In the latter years, when the father and son have had this relationship, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's rocky, sometimes it's great. But they stick it out. The son becomes a friend. And one of my grandfathers in the faith, faith, Dr. Lester Summerall, said, if you have one to two true friends in your life, not acquaintances or people, true friends, you're a wealthy person. And what I've seen out of Mark and Katie is constantly giving honor. I've seen them give honor to people that don't honor them. Don't even like them, but they give honor. You know why? Because he's seen me honor people that he knew didn't like me. But I'm not giving them honor because they deserve it. I'm giving them honor because they're worthy. They just don't understand and haven't received the Spirit of God enough to know they're supposed to get it. But I'm required by God to honor them anyway. Now, that don't mean you let them run over you. I've asked people to leave the church and they didn't. I demanded it. I hadn't had to do that in 15 years. And I think oftentimes with certain people, if I hadn't done that, where would we be? Sometimes being a father is not easy. Sometimes you spank your child and you go home and cry because you spanked them. Sometimes you chew out a spiritual son or daughter a little bit. You have to, what, discipline them? To... But then they blow you away what they become. Because grace, God's grace is sufficient even when we're not right. God's grace is sufficient even when we're not at our best. God's grace is sufficient even when we're a novice. His grace is sufficient. And as long as one graces the other and the other graces that one, they can get through anything. But you can't experience grace without first giving honor. And that's what I want to say about Martin and Katie. Not only have they been great staff employees, not only are they spiritual sons and daughters, but they're friends. They're friends. And I can't think of a greater testimony than that 
that when you come to that place of relationship, he still operates as a son, or sometimes, you know. But like Parker, my natural son, who's also a spiritual son, sometimes he can speak back a little more than anybody else can because he honors. So today I want you to get out of this. Give honor where honor is due. Begin to understand now. We're going into the next season at Bethel. Remember, this is Bethel 2.0, right? The next, the second 20 years. And Mark's been a part of the first generation, right? Now he's the big uncle, right, to Parker. And it's like, he's probably like, man, you, these other spiritual sons and all this. Travis is a kind of a tweener, you know. He kind of, he kind of got it early on and still got it. And he's, he's really come along, a great, great spiritual son. But, but see, he, he's coming along, right? And I'm sure Mark looks at, some, and sometimes he'll protect Travis or he'll protect Parker, he'll protect whoever, because he paid the price and he don't want them to pay that price. If he can steer them, mentor them, guide them, teach them, he's like, believe me. And finally he just says, you better do that. Just tell him. Just tell him. And he's telling them for their own good. Why? Because he knows what the crushing feels like. And you're going to have enough crushing even when you give honor. Imagine if you live in dishonor devaluing those that God brought in your life to build your character. I've had some people in my life that I honored that I didn't really like a lot. People even mentored me that I didn't like a lot. But I, I knew enough about God I'd better honor him. Because I knew when I left that place, I would enter the next place in the same condition. So if I leave broken, if I leave angry, if I leave offended, then that's what's going to happen. That's the kinds of sons and daughters we would have. And we would never have a friend. Never have this. So we're getting ready to celebrate here in a few moments, and we're getting ready to show more honor. But I want Mark to come up, and I want to talk about Mark's story for a few minutes and have him share some, too, about it. I want him to kind of take the lead on this. But I'm so proud of Mark. It was five years ago, over five years ago, he came to me and, and Steph and asked us, if he could launch this new business. And you got to realize he really wasn't from a business background. Great ministry, anointed family, like five generations. Amazing. But this whole business stuff was new to him. But I can say every step of the way, he has honored us. And what we're going to be talking about right now, you've been doing for 18 to 24 months already. We're just trying to catch them up. Won't you show up? Ooh. You had me till that last little bit, and that's when I started crying. Um, Okay, so let me back it up and catch you up a little bit. So five years ago, I came to Pastor, and to be honest, I came to him because they demonstrated the same. Um, when they had been at World Harvest for nine, nine, years. nine years, they felt God calling them out, and uh, they went to go pastor. And one of the things they said was, we know God's calling us, but we're not leaving without the blessing. And, uh, and so Katie and I knew that God was calling me to, to start this business, but um, we weren't going to do it without the blessing. So we sat down, and I said, hey, I feel like God's like kind of pulling <coughs> on me and asking me to do this. And they said, okay. And so that was the start of the honor, the communication. And the whole journey, the last five years, has been 100% completely open in communication. And I don't have to share everything I'm going to share, but I'm going to, just like he's doing, I'm going to share it so that some of you are going to see, like you might learn something from, from the journey, from the process. So we sat and we, we had that conversation and the, the commitment was, hey, I'm going to, God's calling me to do this, but I'm going to do it on my own time. I'm going to do my days off. 
And so that's what I did. I started this business, this coaching business. I coach entrepreneurs, business owners, growth-minded people all over the country. So I started these masterminds, these small groups and coaching communities. And I started that and 6.30 in the morning and I had my off day. And, and so I started it. And wouldn't you know, like God actually blessed it. And it was kind of fun. And, um, but it was just this kind of expansion that I knew God was calling me to. But I was just stepping into it. I didn't, like at that point, I, I was like, okay, this is just kind of a thing. And I'm the pastor and that's what I'm going to do. Um, but it grew. And so all along the way, we, we talked, we communicated, and it kind of evolved a little bit, and it kept growing. And, um, and so we had more conversations, and we had conversations about, okay, like, okay, maybe I, I need another day a week. He's fixing the microphone. Don't get him nervous over here, okay? Okay, it was Katie and I are texting. Steph's over here texting, like, okay, here's what the microphone needs. I almost walked up to fix it, but. Um, and so. You know, we, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a day to be able to work on the business, and that happened. But all this time, you guys got to understand, like, I thought I was going to, like, I thought I was still going to be a pastor for the long haul as a paid employee of the church. In fact, when I came to Bethel, I was a 23-year-old kid that thought knew something, and uh, I don't even know, know why they hired me. But I was 23-year-old, like, same age as Parker uh, when they hired me, and he was in diapers, which was kind of crazy. Um but I thought I was going to be a 50-year-old youth pastor, okay? Like, that was the calling of my life, I'm going to be a 50-year-old youth pastor. Coincidentally, two of the guys that demonstrated that for me, Ron Brown here, wave, Ron. This is Ron and Becky, uh, lifelong friends, and Ray and Tammy. Ray, wave, wave, Ray. Um, so they were my youth evangelists at the camp that I go to still every year to this summer, and they were cool, and they were a little bit older than the typical youth pastor. You guys are still cool. And I was like, that's, that's me. I'm going to be a 50-year-old youth pastor. Business grew, things were happening. I was like, I'm still going to be in ministry. So then I was a youth pastor, and then all of a sudden I ended up doing media and production about five or two and a half, three years into it. Pastor was like, this is what we need. I was like, I'm not creative, I'm not technical, but if that's what you need, pastor, that's what I'll do. And so I, they hired a youth pastor. This was like in the very beginning, a few years in, and I became the media and production guy. And I ended up editing TV, a TV show that we had, and I learned all this production and marketing and communication and I was like, what in the world? Like, why am I doing this? And God blessed it. And so I just kept serving. I kept serving. I didn't preach for five, six years. I was just in the behind the scenes and serving pastor and getting closer to him and serving him. And then for about 10 years or so, then um, through a se sequence of events, like all of a sudden I started preaching all the time. And then I became the assistant pastor. And I was like, what are you doing, God? I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. And, like, you took me out of that. Now what's, what's this? And so I became the assistant pastor. And that's been, like he said, for the last 10-plus years now of kind of functioning in that role. And so when this whole thing happened with minister, with, with the business, even as it was growing a couple of few years in, I was like, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. I'm never not going to be a pastor. I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. Uh, and I was like, if I go to do the business, I'm not going to be a pastor. And I was in Israel three years ago. And... Um, I was kneeling down in a chapel off to the side. Nobody was around, and um, I was praying. And up in front of me, there was this beautiful mosaic. And on the mosaic was Peter. It was a picture of Peter walking on water. And the scene was when Peter started to sink, and Jesus was reaching out his hand. That was the image. And I looked up, and God said to me, wasn't audible, might as well have been. He said, Mark, that's your mama. <laughs> what? He said, it's time for you to get out of your safe, 
comfortable vote of vocational ministry, get out of the boat and go out into the marketplace and make me famous. I was like, is that the devil or God? Like, I don't know. It made me nervous. And I'll tell you, when I went to Katie and I shared that with her, you got to keep in mind, everything up to this point, Katie was in that role like he was describing, like, you better not grow that business too much. You're a pastor. Don't forget it. Don't you ever forget it. So Katie had always been pulling me back, pulling me back. And this time I went to Katie and I said, this is what God said. And she said, okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to agree with that. I'm freaking out on the inside here. And when Katie said, because we've been married 23 years, the whole journey, right? We got married May 8th and then started attending this church a couple months later. And um, when she said that, I knew it was real. And so that was three years ago. Six months later, we get back to Israel. I drug my feet a little bit because, you know, that's kind of a big deal conversation. Six months later, we're sitting in their dining room, the four of us, and I shared the same experience with them. And they said, we know. And it was done. They said, we see it. We see the markings. Hang on it. My dad is down here crying. <laughs> but when they, when, they, when they honored me enough, to not fight that. And we'd been in communication. We'd honored each other all the way along the way. We gave it, we received it, we gave it, we received it. And then when I got to that moment and they were able to let go and allow, like, to see God was expanding me and not be intimidated by that and be willing to let me let it step into that, they were like, we see it. And we see those markings and we, we've been feeling that. And then Steph was just like, don't, just don't make it to two weeks, okay? Like, give me time. Um, and so that was two and a half years ago. We had this little thing in the interim called a global pandemic. I don't know if you're aware of that. <coughs> but that was the moment when we sat and we had the conversation, okay, what's this look like and how do we navigate and how do we do it well and how do we make some transition and raise people up and there were some hires and some different, like some things have happened over the last two and a half years extremely, extremely intentionally and we've been in communication the whole way and this is Mark's role and to his point of what's been happening in the last 18 months, most of you don't know, but I've only been in the office about a day, day and a half a week, and I've still been serving and leading and leading you guys, doing different things and preaching and doing all the things. But the team internally, like this week to week, like they've known, like when we sat down and told them a few months ago, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we already knew that. <laughs> um, and so we're kind of catching you up, like Pastor said. And so that was the expansion. So knowing that and navigating this, so like now the moment's coming where like it's time for me to step out of the boat completely and I will no longer be a paid pastoral staff of Bethel Harvest Church. And I'm, so here's, here's the beautiful part. I get to expand the calling into the marketplace. Yeah. Like I'm Sorry. still a son. And so this, will, I like the whole, you're a, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you're a pastor. Guess what? I'm still a pastor. Yeah. I'm a five-fold ministry pastor who's been assigned, my assignment has shifted from the local church into business, into the marketplace, and there's some people out there that need a shepherd who love Jesus and are going to create a safe place for him, and so I'm still a pastor. I don't have to give up, I don't have to give up being a pastor, but it's going to be expressed in business and in the marketplace, and so that brings me to the third point. So that, that's the shift of the assignment, and that's, that's what you guys are kind of coming up to speed. But here's the, one of the most important things. Where did I put my, can you hit me my phone, hon? Or Sean? Is that mine? It's on the floor there. Thank you, sir. 
here's a life verse for me. Verses. Psalm 92, starting in verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted. Everybody say planted. Planted in the house of the Lord. This is Old Testament. New Testament, we're talking about the local church. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in me. So a couple things to acknowledge here. My parents, wave mom and dad, just wave, just really wave. My dad was a pastor for 48 years. Um, They've been married 55, am I right? 57, okay, we lose count when it gets that high, 57. (coughs) They have modeled for me what it means to be planted. Now, my dad's a Methodist pastor, and so if you know anything about the structure, they tend to move every, I think the average is like 18 to 24 months. In 48 years of ministry, my dad pastored three churches, 17 years, 12 years, and then he tried to retire, and then he went back and pastored another year for how many was that one? Nine years, right? Um, And so they have modeled the power of being planted and being faithful and living a life of honor, and I'm so grateful, and I honor them for that. (laughs) Katie's mom and dad. Right behind Wave, Martha. Most of you know them because they attend here at the church. Married 50 plus, well, 50 this year, right? 50 years this year. And they have modeled it as well. They're faithful. They've they've been planted in churches even when they didn't agree with some stuff. Um, You you said it a couple weeks ago, like, true honor is tested when you don't agree. Like, you you can't be submitted to leadership um, you can say you're submitted, but until you submit when you don't agree, that's when, like, it's really tested. And there might have been once or twice where we didn't completely see eye to eye. Um, but I honor him, right? So, so I've had these models, and then I've had this model in them and how they transitioned out of World Harvest and how they came here and they planted this church and, and the honor they've given me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my life and my business and my kids would not be blessed the way they are if I wasn't planted in this house. My life and my business that I'm sh- the assignment shifting into flourishes because I'm planted in a house. It's the word of God. Like, like you can't get away from it. And so just a quick little illustration. When we, and this was just uh, a field, and there was a hillside over here, and the very first video, that's when I was doing a bunch of production stuff, I was there with them when they recorded the very first video on this property. And God gave him a prophetic word, and he said, from this spot, we're going to touch the world. Another piece of it was, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Psalm 103, it talks about the anointing flows down from the head. I just didn't, like, I thought, like, my part in that was just to continue to build the local church till the day I die. I didn't realize, like, I've had clients all over, like, the nation, and in five or six other nations of the world. From this spot, we get to touch the world. I just get to fulfill that assignment in the marketplace. And can I tell you, people getting saved in business, they don't know Jesus. But, like, they're getting saved. And they're finding a version of faith in Jesus that doesn't judge them and condemn them and make them feel less than. And then the four Bs, the place where we belong. 
I've had so many people tell me over the last several months, especially, that, Mark, that's what marks your business, that you make people feel like they belong. They don't feel judged. And so, like, that, like, I know. So the beauty of shifting assignment, but I'm still planted. And that's why it's an honor for me to be an elder of this church and continue to serve for another 20 years. Because... I'm planted in God's house, and this is where God planted me. And our assignments can shift, but we don't have to shift where we're planted. Now, sometimes that does happen, but I know where God's planted us. And, and Katie may say something a little later, but, like, we, we thought about it because, like, I can coach from anywhere in the world. Like a nice beach overlooking the ocean. Like, I can coach there all day. But my daughter says we're not allowed. Did you see her? She was like, No. <laughs> because not only are we planted, our kids are planted here, right? Jack came in this morning, and they, we got off their volunteer because Ellen and Jack both served. And he's like, I don't know what to do. We got here 30 minutes early like we usually do. He's usually setting up the B kids and setting up worship and leading worship down there. He's like, what do I do when I don't have anything to do? My kids are planted. And so we're planted here, and this is like to the vision that God's given this man and this woman is big enough for a whole lot of people to be assigned here and grow and flourish. And that's why I honor them and I continue to honor them. And I honor you in this house, guys. I love you. And you've you've given me the opportunity. Some of you have watched me learn some stuff the hard way. And so I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for this family. And I think that's it. We're going to show you a few videos here in a moment from some of our covenant partners and friends and what they have to say about Mark. But I was, it was truthful when I said, we've been doing this for at least 18 months. This schedule we're just going to maintain. And, uh, and I'm, I, I genuinely celebrate these guys. Steph and I, sometimes we cry. We get so excited. He'll tell us about something. We'll get kind of choked up like, man, that's our boy. Look at him. I know Tom and Sherry like that about him. He's doing it. He's killing it. And I knew from this spot we'd touch the world. And now part of that prophecy is what you see up here writing our own music now, all that. Music will be a way. And then years ago, we tried to establish a business uh, entrepreneur thing here at Bethel, thinking if we're going to really touch the city of the world, we need to raise up entrepreneurs. It just every time we tried, two or three times, it just won't, won't. But now I see why God's raising up sons and daughters. And now we have multiple sons and daughters during COVID have created amazing businesses that are rocking right now and God's just saying see when you just trust me and honor me I gave you the word watch me make it work but everything happens through relationships everything and on top of that the kind of relationship it is is it a healthy relationship is there honor because if I want to receive honor from him I gotta give him honor now it doesn't mean we always agree right but, but we, we walk out of the room honoring one another, and we don't go back by, but we honor. And so I'm so proud. Let's just give God a big shout. Stand up, give up those guys. In a minute, we're going to pray over them. Love you, man. Here's, here's what a few of our friends have to say. Pastor Mark and Katie, congratulations on so many years of faithfulness and fruitfulness in pastoral ministry. 
it has been absolutely incredible to see how God has worked in you and God has worked through you. Malia and I and our church have uh, so treasured your friendship and your ministry, and we celebrate how God is opening new doors and launching you forth into the marketplace, to the nation, and truly to the world to bring your experiences and your wisdom and insights to a whole new group of people. Bethel is blessed that you will continue to be a leader and an influence and an elder in the house, and we can't wait to see how God continues to multiply ministry and change-making, difference-making through you. We love you. God bless you. Congratulations. Hi, this is Ed Trout. Shouting a shouting out to Mark and Katie Keene. Jesus said, give honor where honor is due. 20 years, I've known you a big chunk of that time and you've been to my home and in, in San Antonio and my involvement, my experience, my times that I've been with you and watched you I've been so blessed and encouraged and impressed. Thank you both for good examples of Christianity, of support, of submission, of right attitude. I can go down a long list of what you guys have portrayed. Your testimony has been wonderful. Thank you for being such a faithful warrior and worker in God's kingdom, faithful to Bethel, faithful to God's kingdom, faithful to the call that you have. I bless you this 20 years. God is a rewarder faithfulness. Paul tells Timothy to commit these things to faithful men. You are faithful people. God bless you. I expect something profound, profound to happen for you guys now as it regards reward because it does reward. The very first time that I met them, uh, the testimonies, the report given me by Pastor Marion was just the best. And uh, nothing feels better when your pastor have more beautiful things to say about you. And for somebody to have dedicated themselves in the service of God and serving humanity in the church ministry for 20 years now, over 20 years counting now, that is Stella. Uh, Pastor Mark, thank you very much for what you have done and what you are even going to continue to do in your, especially in your new role as an elder at Bethel Harvest Church. Uh, my prayer, which I know you know, is that uh, uh, you will have your full reward, not just in heaven, here on earth. And everything you touch from this moment shall prosper. Uh, the Bible says you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. You have been in the service of God. I pray God's blessing over everything that you touch, over your wife, over your children, over your grandchildren, over everything when they begin to come in Jesus' mighty name. Bethel Church, Mark, Katie, uh, thank you for asking me to be a part of this um, this, this service and this time of, of really the promotion, Mark and Katie, of, uh, of you into this next phase. Um, and it's just an honor and privilege to be a part of it. Uh, I've so enjoyed being heart and family uh, with Bethel and of course as an extension of that Pastor Mark and I uh, working on creating your best life and uh, all that has gone on with that and it will continue to, to do that 
So I just want to speak blessing over you over this next phase uh, in agreement completely with your creation, your blueprint that I know includes such marvelous things as, as, uh, as, as your business and your family. And I'm just in agreement with that and with your church uh, in seeing this promotion take place. Hey, Bethel Harvest Church, it's Chuck Balsamo here congratulating a true friend, Mark Keene. Man, you know, I'm not one of those guys, I don't, I'm not a fake crier. Uh, I don't cry a whole lot, uh, but I could. I could, I'm just that close. I could break out in tears right now. That's how happy I am. Truly, sincerely happy for Mark moving into this new season and for the way your church has handled this transition. You just don't see it like that these days. So much integrity. Uh, Mark, you're reaching such a milestone in your life right now. And I know firsthand as we've worked together over the years, uh, just the way that you have finessed the calling in your life to stand on multiple summits, not just on one summit, but multiple summits, and your desire to continue to be a blessing to the Daltons and to Bethel Harvest Church and being faithful and juggling all of that. Mark, you are one of a kind. And it is my prayer that as you head into this new season that God will open doors and favor you. Nehemiah 1.11, you know that's a big verse to me right now, that uh, when Nehemiah prayed, God, please put it in the king's heart to show me favor and uh, to grant me favor. So I'm praying that over you. This has been too long. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Man. I do not think that I could have had a better video to come up off of because that was absolutely amazing. Ah, man. And, like, can we just talk about that for a second? Like, it's been so awesome just getting to hear our pastor's heart for, for Mark. It's been so amazing getting to hear Mark's heart for our pastor and for the house and just for the calling that's on his life. But when you can reach out to people all across a nation and say, hey, can you send us a video? talking about this one person, and it's like, you, you don't even have to think, and I know, like, for myself, for, for my wife, Meg, like, if they were like, hey, I'm not going to do it because I'm a crier, like Parker, and I'm not going to do that, but, like, no hesitation, like, there wasn't anybody that we asked, and they were like, I don't know if I can really think of enough good things to say about Mark, like, because he's just, he is, he's absolutely incredible, and I was 15 when I came to Bethel, and Mark was, like, one of the first connections I made in my, like, probably second week here. Um, you know, now I'm the media director, and we talked about this the other day. Like, Mark asked me to run camera. He's like, hey, you want to be a camera operator? And I'm like, sure, because I don't know what to do. And then all of that, that one decision of talking with him and that connection with him has led me into a career and into, like, just a passion I didn't even know I had. But there's something to be said about somebody who just has this intentional mindset to love people the way that Jesus loved them, and to build relationships and just these these areas, and even when we talk about edge groups, like, I don't know if we even said this, but, like, you know, Mark was like, yeah, and I remember having the first meeting with Pastor Steph, but we talk about that, and when we talk about edge groups, like, that's part of the legacy that is Mark Keene at Bethel. That's part of what is going to continue on, and all the leaders that are raised up through edge groups, and and I mean, just just raise your hand, really. If you've been impacted by Mark Keene, just raise your hand, make some noise, really quick. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's just absolutely incredible. And I leaves me a little bit speechless to sit there and think, like, wow, 
the fact that I get to have, and it's, this isn't, I'm not just buttering you up because I'm going to ask you for a huge favor later or anything like that. But the fact that, like, I get to be in relationship with Mark, the fact that I get to be in relationship with Katie, like, again, the majority of my life I've known Mark, and it's been through this house and in this house, but it's went farther than just in the house and being on staff and all of that. And we've had some really late-night phone calls to help, you know, navigate me through. Pastor was kind of talking about that earlier, you know. I, Mark kind of navigates and helps to teach me and say, don't do that, do this instead. And, you you know, okay, you're going to do it anyway, whatever. I'm going to help you when you mess up and all of that. And But, you know, when I think about the people in my life who have always been there for me, like it's a very short list, but Mark and Katie are on that list. And they're top of that list, right? And it's just absolutely incredible that we get to have that relationship and, and all of that. And I can bet that if I were to just take an – and make a guess, I would say that you guys could feel that way too. And, and not everybody has this, you know, crazy intentional relationship with Mark. But what I do know is, like I said earlier, Mark is very intentional about relationships. He's very intentional about just making you feel seen, making you feel heard, making you feel loved and valued. Like, Mark will point you out of a room, and it's crazy. I've seen him do this in services, and, like, he, like, finds somebody, and he's like, Michael Garrison, listen, man. God is, and he just, like, goes in, and you feel like it's like there's all these people in a room, but Mark talks directly to you, and it's like he's talking to you. He's not worried about what everybody's thinking, and that's just, it's, it's so amazing because when I think about it, I think that has to be how Jesus was. That has to be how Jesus lived, and to have someone like Mark in this house that shows Jesus in such a way where he connects and he says, I don't care about everybody else, but right now I'm talking to you. I'm talking directly with you. I'm here in this moment with you. And so let's just give it up for Mark one more time. Just clap for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just honor where honor is due. And I had a conversation with him earlier this morning. I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but he was like, this feels kind of weird. He was like, <laughs> he's like, just, you know, because we, we make jokes, right? Because, you know, Mark is, he has been the guy for so many years that when pastors are traveling or something comes up, like Mark's like, I'm preaching and I'm doing offering and I'm doing announcements. And we always joked whenever that happened, when we had a service where it was like Mark was in every slot of the service flow and we would call it the Mark Keen show. We call it the Mark day. And I told him this morning, I was like, it's funny, man, because we always make that joke. But then like today is it's Mark day. Like it's the day where it's Mark and Katie day. It's the day where we're celebrating. We're honoring you. Right. And, and he just, I was like, what do you think? He's like, it just feels so weird, man. It feels so weird. And I'm like, you just got to sit there and enjoy it. You just got to, like, take it in. Like, take in the fact that there are people that just honor you and that you have impacted life so greatly. So, with all of that said, just, again, Mark, Katie. Katie's over here. She needs to come back over here with her husband. We're like, yeah. I was going to bring you on stage, but I'm not going to do that because I kind of like the seats that you have for what we're about to do. This is very special. This is, might be the most special moment of the entire day other than what we do after this. But Mark's been here for a long time, right, Pastor? He's, he's been here for over 22 years. And we thought it would be fun to capture the essence of a Mark Keen in a singular video. And so we had Caleb Metzenberg go and find some clips, and we put together this amazing video that we call The Essence of Mark Keene. Check this out real quick. Good morning, digital congregation of Bethel Harvest Church. Wake up! Some of you just woke up right now. You're like, whoa, I was I was drinking tea and eating my, my egg biscuit, and now I'm awake. You're scared. You're sleeping scared again. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm, wake up! 
So I felt like when Caleb sent us that video, we were just like, that is it. That is Mark Keene in a minute and 41 seconds. Like if you had to, somebody was like, who is Mark Keene? You'd play this video and they'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Out of context, things just look so much funnier. Now, what you guys probably don't know is, you know, Mark is a pastor. He is a speaker. He is a coach. He's a businessman, entrepreneur. But what you may not realize is that all the years that Mark's been here, and as we've filmed his messages and all these different things, he's actually been recording content for a new project he's working on as he starts to step into rap. Um, yeah, so, you know, everybody's doing it nowadays. Everybody's putting out, you know, all these, all these rap songs on YouTube and everything. And so Mark actually, all those clips that we pulled were actually pulled from Mark's new song that's going to be coming out soon. So we wanted to give you guys a preview of the song. Check this out really quick. Mr. Mark Tastic.
Mr. Mark Tastic. Man. I really love that video. I'm thinking that we need to put it on put it on your social this week. That's all I'm I'm just saying. But so yeah, I mean we're obviously we have the heartfelt stuff and we do love and appreciate Mark, but we have to have a little bit of fun as well because there's so many fun moments, right? But right now we're gonna transition. We're gonna be a little bit more serious. I'm gonna ask Mark and Katie to come up on stage. I'm actually gonna ask our pastors to come back on stage, and we just want to have a time of prayer over the Keens. Um, have the kids come up real quick too. Yeah, the kids got to come up. Mark and Katie got to come up. Meg's gonna come up because before we pray, we actually wanna we wanna honor not just with our words, but we wanna we wanna be able to gift because you know some people like receiving gifts. And somebody's love language on the King's family may be gifts. Um, so it's only right that we honor through gifts. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that album dropping February 30th. If you guys didn't catch the date. Like Mr. Mark Taskin, make your move. Meg, I'm going to give this to you. Well, you guys, we just want to honor you all. We thank you so much for just who you are to the Bethel family. And just for blessing our lives, I feel like this is just like the smallest of a token of what we could do to honor you guys uh, today. So I'm just going to give all of these to you, Katie. <laughs> You'll keep track of them, right? She'll keep track of them. But we, we do have gifts for the kids and for Mark and Katie. And, um, you know, <laughs> the kids are never really on stage. So I know this is probably a little awkward, but you know what? We want to honor you. So um, are we going to pray? Okay. Well, let's, let's, I don't mean to. Uh, okay. Tom, would you and Sherry like to come up while we pray? Uh, you're not, Tom, come on. I'm not going to make you talk. You're just going to pray. I'll pray. You can just hang out with me. Yeah. Martha, you and Robin are welcome to come up. I know you've been total under weather, but what are, if you feel like it, Miss Martha, come on up. Let's go. Mark and Katie, why don't you guys come right over here, and uh, I want the kids beside you on each side, but you guys in the middle, because, you know, ministry is not just about mom and dad. The whole family is in the ministry, as Parker and Pierce can testify to that. Why don't you guys just get right here in the center facing them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Steph, I want Steph to take a moment, too, to share. We were all so long-winded. Let her. They were very long. Psalms, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers when it comes to maturity. Um, this has been one of the scriptures that Mark and Katie have consistently stood by year after year, and I truly believe that when a tree is planted, that its branches reach. And I really feel like that's just where Mark and Katie are. They're planted, but the tree has grown to a place that it's now reaching beyond the walls of just Bethel Harvest Church. But it still comes from the, from the place of where the roots are planted. And there's been plenty of conversations where they said, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we go, maybe we try this, maybe. And they just kept coming back to go, no, our roots are planted. In order to become who God has called us to be and our family unit to be, we have to keep our roots planted. 
And that's been a consistent conversation for over 20 years. And so we are just honored to be a part of watching that tree just grow and grow and grow and its branches now spreading beyond this house, but coming back to the place of, of honor in this house. We're just, we're just honored by this house. Katie would, Katie, would you like to share something? You guys want to just gather around? Tom, you can come out here too if you want. You guys just gather around. Babe, come on over here. Hallelujah. We're setting Mark in. I won't take time to read all the scriptures for you, uh, be an elder. But if you set him in, it also requires his wife as that as well because she has to keep basically the same things that that they do. Reach me in my Bible. I'll read this scripture to you. Just because I think that you need to hear this. Uh, I tell you, give me my iPad. I'm sorry, Sean. We'll get you out here in just an hour or two. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I still got to preach. Here's the requirements of being an elder, bishop, any of those things. 1 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, says, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, elder, bishop, whatever, he desires an honorable position, so a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be, be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect him, uh, who obey him, uh, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people uh, outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So Mark and Katie both exemplify this, and I just wanted to share that with you as we get ready to pray, as we set them in and bless their family right now. Come here, babe. Father, we just thank you for this man and woman of God.
We thank you for their children who are just such a blessing. They're so anointed in their own right. I'm just so excited to see each one of them grow, Father, as we've seen Mark and Katie grow. I thank you for their parents because they've always supported them and been with them and helped them go through. I know they've probably had many talks along the way. And I, I just thank you, Father, that you brought us all to this point. You brought us all to this place. And right now, Father, Stephanie and I release the anointing of this house. That's the chief elder, the bishop, the pastor. We release this anointing over them and set them in as elders to help us oversee things at this house, this ministry, to love, to serve, and to honor this people. And we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your blessing. And we do it now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Give God a shout of praise. Bless you, God.